Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast. It's all about how to turn your passion into a profession. And my guest today, I'm really excited to speak with her today, simply because have you ever wanted to nurture a gift or an interest in your child, but really don't know how because you send them off to school and you're hoping that that thing that they were interested in is being nurtured? Well, Rachel Britliff today saw an interest in science in her three-year-old and was wondering, well, how do I actually nurture it? How do I water it? How do I give a voice to it so that this is actually gets flourished inside her personality? And so Rachel, a lawyer, started a business making science, kit for science kits for children and specifically for families who have girls because they're at a greater risk of not employing or uh, diving into science as they grow up. And so her main focus is so that we equip the next generation with STEM skills, that is skills of science, technology, engineering and math. And how cool is it to have a business that you can incorporate your children into it? So Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Now tell me, are you still a lawyer? I am. So I still, um, I still do work four days a week. I suppose I'm a little bit different um, than a lot of small business owners in that I love my job. Okay. Um, I, retrained, I retrained as a mature age student to be a lawyer. Nice. And um, that I finished just after Lily, my daughter, was born and then moved into the area that I'm in. And I really enjoy that. So I had always intended to continue doing that. And this business really, for me, was about supporting my child and really doing a number of things. One was to show her that if you've got an interest and there's not a lot around to support it, you don't just give up on it. You create your own support. You mm. can go out and you can be brave and you can do things that are different and you can create things that aren't out there and support other people. I love that. Um, and so there was a whole lot wrapped up in my reasons around why I started the business and they weren't necessarily about personal reasons or escaping my job because I, I happen to love my job. Um, the real passion for me was in showing my kids from a very early age that you, if you've got an interest and you see an opportunity, you don't just sit back and think, oh, I hope someone grabs that opportunity and fills that niche so that I can then take advantage of it. Actually, you can step up and you can say, let's have a go at this. Let's see if we can help other people mm. um, follow their interests and follow our interests at the same time. Love that. So that's really unique, the fact that you still do love your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, and that the fact that you've started a business. Now, how did this, the science kit start? What was the story? What was the background about that? Okay, so when Lily was about three and a half, she came home from daycare and I will never forget it. She said, mommy, mommy, I want to do more experiences. And my first reaction was, you're kidding. That's all we do. We do experiences. We go out every weekend. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, she, she then slowly described, you know, the typical um, baking soda volcano. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought, right, you've done an experiment. And she said, yes, an experience. Um, and I thought, you know, actually, that's a lovely way of describing it. Science experiment is an experience. Um, and I thought, okay, cool. You know, it's this little interest that she's developed because they're doing these things at daycare. But 
it very quickly became obvious that it wasn't just some sort of fleeting interest, that there was a real passion underlying for her and that she was getting frustrated because at daycare, they're catering to a lot of children. They didn't necessarily have the ability to sit down with her and take her through detailed explanations of what was happening. And so she would, the weekends, I spent um, trawling Pinterest okay. to start with. Uh, and trawling websites, trying to find things that I could do with her with age-appropriate explanations. Mm, mm. And I found that I was using up extraordinary amounts of time. And I thought, right, okay, no, I can't, I'm, I'm, I've worked. At that, that point, I worked full-time. Okay. Um, and I was about to have another baby. Um, wow. I thought, okay, look, I'm just going to buy some kits. Mm-hmm. Buy some science kits. We're going to do those. I'm not going to have to think so much. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, not a scientist. Yeah. And this will, you know, this will solve it. And so I started looking to buy stuff and there was nothing. Mm-hmm. At the time, I could find nothing on the Australian market or even from the US that would ship to Australia for a reasonable price mm-hmm. for a child under the age of eight. Okay. Everything was eight plus. Mm. And I think maybe somewhat naively, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We need to fix this. There's got to be other families out there like ours who need to be, who want to be doing these things. Um, Then I had a baby and um, I was on maternity leave and started to think about it a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, um, and started to sort of collate some of my experiments that we'd been doing, et cetera. Um, and then when she hit kindergarten and my son started, he was going four days then at daycare and I was at work for four days. I thought, Oh, look, maybe, maybe I'll just see if there's anything new on the market because she still hadn't, the interest hadn't died. Mm. And meanwhile, I've read all of this information about how girls by the age, by, by year one at school can often feel as though Science and maths are not subjects for them. How ridiculous is that? It is ridiculous. It is, it, it drove me to distraction thinking about the fact that Lily might begin to feel that this passion of hers wasn't appropriate for a girl. Yeah. Um, anyway, there weren't any kids. And so I had, a, I had a good think about it. I had a chat with my husband. And I decided that for all the reasons I explained, because I wanted to nurture her passion, because I wanted to support her, and also because I wanted to show her that it's okay to try new things, that it's good to try new things. I thought, I'm going to start this business. Wow. How much did you have to learn? Because you're a lawyer. Yeah. How much did you have to put into learning what that's required? Because it's a completely different realm. (laughs) It is a completely different realm. And... I have had to learn so much. And I tell you, some of my friends are actually very science-oriented people. And they are deeply shocked. I've had these friends since high school and they're utterly shocked (laughs) at the amount that I've learned and the level of interest that I've developed because in high school I hated science. I hated it. Oh. Which is probably one of the reasons I'm so passionately pro um, supporting Lily's interest mm-hmm. um, because I think it had to do with the way that it was taught and the way that it was presented and it was, certainly wasn't presented in my school as not being for girls there were a lot of girls interested in it but I think that I don't think that it's necessarily taught in a way that's overly relatable to kids mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's taught very much as this distinct topic that doesn't feel like it's got a real connection with the world. Mm, yes. But in fact, science, now that I've been looking into it and learning about it, it is everywhere. Exactly, yeah. And there are conversations that you can be having with your kids that help create those connections so that when they get to high school, they can see the point of the experiments that they're doing. They can okay. see the point mm. of what they're learning because they've already got those, um, those connections in their mind with science and the world go together and it's a natural part of life to talk about yeah. for scientific reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. So you wanted to find science kits. You couldn't find any that were reasonable in the Australian market or overseas. You then decide to co-create the kit. What happens and how long did it take you to create the kits? What did you have to do to create science kits? Okay, so what I did was I decided on my first point. Um, so my, my very first starting point was safety. Okay. Um, a big thing about the kits for 8 Plus is that the ingredients in some, contained in some of the kits are not ideal if you ingest them they're not going to kill you but they're not they're not necessarily safe and that kids who aren't good at washing their hands after doing the experiments etc it's better really not for them to be using them Mm -hmm. my first point was all right i need to work out what experiments can be done with kitchen-based ingredients oh nice and that was my starting point was i need the everything that i do has to be Borax free has got to be chemical free, essentially. It's got to, when I say chemical, um, I mean harsh. Toxin free. Yeah. Um, So I started there and I started with three ingredients. So I decided on uh, citric acid and bicarbonate of soda and vinegar. You sound like a scientist to me. (laughs) Sorry? You sound like a scientist to me. (laughs) I don't use that lingo. This is seriously, so Lily is now seven. We started when she was, we started last year when she was six and the build-up was six months before that. So she was five and a half. I'd had two years of doing science experiments at home with her. Wow. Wow. So two years of just doing experiments yourself. Yep. Okay. And then what happened? So then I thought, okay, if I start with those ingredients, which I know are safe, mm-hmm. what can you do with them? Mm-hmm. What what things can you do? Because the other thing I wanted was for parents to be able to have absolutely everything in the kit that they needed. Yeah. They hate the ones that say, with just a few ingredients from your cupboard that you never actually have in your cupboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And never. Yeah. No, no, I do not have like random ingredient X in my cupboard. I now need to go to the shops and my child is crying because we can't do that experiment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's a legendary. That's legendary. Yeah, I love that. Sorry. Um, we, I then thought, okay, we've got, I can put these ingredients in the kit. What things can you do with those ingredients? And what things can you do that are interesting and you like? Mm-hmm. From there, I went, I thought, okay, I don't want this to be, I spoke to a number of teachers um, about kids' attitudes towards science. I spoke to some high school teachers about when they're getting kids in science in year seven, what are they noticing about their scientific understanding, their knowledge, et cetera? And one of the teachers said to me something that really stuck. He said, the kids who do come with some experience or understanding of science, 
have often had it presented to them like it's a magic trick. Oh, wow. And, you know, so it does this amazing thing like make a volcano erupt or it blows up a balloon, wow. but they haven't really understood what the science is behind that or why it's happening. Mm. And so my thought was, okay, what if we could build something, a kit where things built on each other? Mm-hmm. So that you're not just doing a whole bunch of different things, yeah. but in fact, there's a progression mm-hmm. of interesting things to do. And so then I came up with this idea that we'd start with, because the things that the three ingredients are either acidic or alkali. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when mixed, acids and alkalis usually, you know, they have a chemical reaction. So I thought, all right, we'll start with testing to see what it is, whether it's an al- acid or an alkali. So we do pH testing. Then the next thing that you do is you make a volcano. And I partly included that just because there is no kid that doesn't love the volcano. The volcano is cool. It's got red frothing stuff. We make dinosaur worlds around it when we build it. It's a whole experience. Um, Just like Lily wanted. Um, But then what you can see is the movement of the liquid that reacts. And you can see bubbles. Mm-hmm. And those bubbles are formed by gas. Right. And the next experiment that we do is putting uh, the bicarbonate of soda into a balloon and putting vinegar into a tube, attaching the balloon, lifting the balloon up so that the mix and watching it expand because the gas is expanding it. So this is interesting, Rachel. How are you getting the idea from the prints? Because you're not a scientist. You're not a, you don't have a science background. Research. Okay. okay. Research and experience. So... The two years that I spent with just working with Lily doing these, I had done all these experiments before. I had seen the links emerge myself. Right. Because we had done them over and over again, um, I had then started to make those links in my head. Mm -hmm. And so I had talked to Lily about them. Mm -hmm. The other other key thing was they had to be experiments that Lily loved Mm -hmm. because she was my test market. Ah, Nice, nice. So all the experiments in the kits are, in fact, her favourites. Oh, wow. So it took you two years of research. It basically, when the research, when did you know you were ready to go to market? Yeah, you know what? That was just a leap of faith. Okay. Oh. That was, honestly, when I placed my order, I ordered, my, I ordered most of my stock, so the items that would go in the kits from China. The day I did the telegraphic transfer, I thought I was going to vomit. Oh. <laughs> I thought, what have I done? I don't know anything about business. I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm taking the most incredible leap of faith here. I've used family savings mm. to do this. Um, I'm a lawyer, not a scientist. Mm. All of that stuff. And then I'd spent the money and the stuff turned up. And in fact, I am, you know, I look back and I think, oh, look, I could have done this on a smaller scale. I could have ordered less stuff. I could have tried to work out a different way of starting on a much smaller scale. But I actually think having spent a large sum of money at once and having got in a lot of stock Mm. has essentially forced me to keep going. It meant I couldn't opt out. Wow. Powerful. You know, you're basically saying to yourself at the start, there's no way out of this. There's no sort of, oh, look, if it doesn't work, I'll opt out. No, I've invested family savings in this. There is no opting out. You keep going. 
And so how long has it been in the market so far? Look, it's been in the market for 12 months. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's huge. That's huge. For the first six months, I really floundered mm -hmm. because I had this product that I knew. I, I, no, I knew. I really knew it was a good product. Mm. I really knew it was unusual in the market. And I really knew that kids would enjoy it. Yeah. I had no idea how to communicate that to the world. Wow. I just, you know, I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about selling. Mm. I had a website and because I knew nothing about marketing or selling, I had thought, oh, you know, I'm going to put this really good thing up on the website and Google's going to find it and people will find it and then the people will come and they will buy it. And I, you know, on you'll go. <laughs> and honestly, I, I'd look back and cringe at how naive I was. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I mean, good going for you. I mean, you, you really did have a leap of faith. So what did you do to market? So then I actually joined a, um, I joined a course okay. to, to learn what it was that I was not doing right. Okay. Um, or not even not, that, that what it was that I was not doing. Okay, okay. Um, and that has really, that's helped a lot. Okay. So I'm now marketing via social media. I'm on um, Pinterest, Facebook and Instagram. Nice. I nice. post daily on Instagram and have, I'm slowly building a following there. Right. Pinterest isn't going so well for me at the moment, but I think that's because I really... I need to increase my focus there. I haven't been as active as I could be. I haven't really worked out a strategy for that yet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's different. Pinterest isn't social media in the same way that Facebook and Instagram is. It's a search engine in and of itself. So it has a different strategy that needs to go with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's my next, I think that's probably my next point of exploration and um, refining. So how does your business model work? First of all, how much do the kits sell for, the science kits? Kits are thirty-four ninety-five each and $3 shipping. Fantastic. And where would people go to purchase one? Like how do people find you? So I'm web only, so www.curiouskidsscience.com.au. Love it. You jump on, shop now, chuck them in your cart and away you go. But I also, um, part of my business model, when I was setting up, I sat down with a lady who is part of a very successful business that runs through Facebook. And she said to me, the key thing that someone said to her when she was learning about business that has really stuck with her was why sell to one when you can sell to many? Mm -hmm. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, what if I did fundraisers for schools and daycare centres and things? Yes. What if I let them sell my kit and they could take a share of the profit? Nice. Um, and it's not selling chocolates. Yeah. Which I also have this philosophical objection to. Yeah. Yes. And why is that? It's not in keeping with the values of what we're trying to promote to our children in terms of healthy eating, in terms of um, all of those sorts of things. And so... I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could put something in the marketplace for fundraising that actually directly supports educational values? Mm, I love that. Love that. Um, and so that's a, that's a key focus of where I'd like to build my business is rather than the individual, not, not rather than, in addition to the sales of the individual kits. Okay. I'm really keen to build this 
fundraising, kind of um, ethical isn't the correct word, but uh, supporting educational values. Oh, yeah. So uh, doing joint venture partnerships. Yeah, with schools. But really I do, so I've done a few now and I, what happens is that I do all the work in terms of I create all of the email templates, I create flyers to go home, all of that sort of stuff. The school community orders through my website and that's the other thing is that as a parent at a school who volunteers, it's hard to get volunteers. You get the same crew over and over again. Oh, okay. So I wanted something that was very low touch for the school. You didn't have to send things home with kids and then get money back, none of that. So I handle all the cash. I deliver to the school. All the school needs to do is distribute and then I transfer to their bank account. Oh, that's pretty super. That's pretty super. So is this in the starting phase or have you actually gone and done this yet? No, I've done it. I've now done it for, I've done it with two schools. I've got a, I've got a school running at the moment. I've got a daycare coming up in a few weeks. Good, good girl. Look at you. Oh my goodness. So all you're doing is just basically saying to them, listen, I've got the science kits. All you've got to do is give it to the parents who want for their kids to learn. They go and purchase it. They get a cut. The school gets a cut, obviously. And then you take care of all the logistics. Absolutely. Ah, and so, so for the, someone who's listening right now, which is working out better, that model of going to schools or the one-on-one -on -one website sales? Um, at the moment, the website sales are more consistent because it's more work to get a school on board. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, particularly, so in New South Wales and Queensland, we have what we call PMCs, mm -hmm. which are the parent kind of support community that supports school fundraising. Yeah. And obviously, whenever you're dealing with a committee, mm -hmm. there's lots of stuff that goes on. There's decision making. There's, um, there's a big lead time. Yes. yes. I suspect that what will happen is as time goes on. So I've got two schools that are doing it this year in third term who did it last year. Wow. And so I think what will happen basically is that once they start, you then get the recurring business. Yeah. And when that happens, yeah. that is amazing because essentially you're not doing one-for-one -one shipping, all of that. You're getting the orders in, you're, you're consolidating them for a single shipping date and then they're getting distributed at the school and the... Yes, I'm giving away $8 from every kit, which is a reasonable chunk. It's, in fact, quite a large chunk of my profit. Yeah. But the volume in one go is amazing. Yes, yes. So how, now, because you're a lawyer and you love your work and yet you want to support your daughter's passion and the mission that supports that, how much time are you giving to the science kits versus how are you juggling it? You know, that's a really great question. So, in fact, I had a bit of an existential crisis this week oh. where I was going, ah, this is yeah. all too hard and yeah. I am exhausted. Yeah. Um, I'm working four days a week. The fifth day I've got my son with me. Uh, then the weekends I want to spend with my kids and my family. And mm. so what I have been doing is uh, I've been putting my kids, my kids go to bed pretty early. They go to bed at seven. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know. Um, and then we, we sort of, they go to bed at seven, we read books till eight, and then I come out. I've been switching on the computer and working from eight till midnight every night. You got, so here's a question. That's, that's called hustle. That's called ambition. That's called, you know, go-getting. 
How do you then spend time, um, because I get asked this all the time, how do you then make time for your husband? Where does that relationship come into phase, into effect? Yeah, so that's why the crisis. Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty, yeah. So that's why the crisis. Um, night before last, I snapped at him. I was grumpy. Mm. Um, mm. And I thought, this is ridiculous. My husband is fabulous. Yeah. He is so insanely supportive of the business. He does all the back-end computery stuff that I couldn't care less about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet I am standing here snapping at him. Mm. And I thought, this has to change. Mm. Um, and so I've made a few adjustments to my priorities. Okay. And the business is still very much something that we're going to pursue. But in fact, what I realised is I got snappy because... Doing the business isn't my hobby. It's an interest, yeah. but I sew. Oh. I make quilts. That is my hobby and I love it. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, you know, what's missing from my life is me time. And so I'm now going to not work on the business two nights a week and I'm going to sew. Okay. Wow. See, I love that realisation, Rachel, the fact that, because it's, it's look, the fact that you've got kids number one, okay, that's just a, a full-time job anyway. Then you have your own job that you're doing as a lawyer and then you've got the business and now you need, because and that's great self-awareness that you've built on. What's been the hardest thing creating this business? You know, actually, as a person, I've always been able to say, okay, I want to change careers. I'm going to go, I'm going to do a law degree get law degree, I went and got a job. I've always been able to make things happen on my timetable. Mm. I have always felt that I am in control of the next step and the next move. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you start your own business, you're not in control. Your customers are in control. Yeah. And they don't even know you're, they're your customers yet. Yeah. First of all, you've got to start yeah. a conversation with them. Mm. Then you've got to wait that lead time that is from the time they become aware of you to the time they want to actually buy with you. Yeah, yeah. You, you do not run that timetable. Mm. Mm. Um, it's a very different headspace. Okay. And that's been, that has totally messed with my head on occasion. <laughs> well, because you're a lawyer, it's like, it's, it's logistics. Step one, step two, step three. Yeah. This could go from step one to step five or step one and you go back a step or... It's all over the shop. So I'm hearing that it's sales and marketing that's been the biggest really learning curve. Yep. So how have you, because you said before, the hardest part was I've got this, but how do I get the message out into the world? How did you, and I know you promote on social media, but how did you get your messaging clear? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. Um, going to, doing the online course was insanely helpful for that. Okay. It made me really articulate my values as a business. Okay. Um, and that's been very helpful in that I've been able to, when making decisions about marketing, I've been able to say, I'm not going there, I'm not doing certain things, for example, mm -hmm. because it's not consistent with my values of honesty, supporting education, of connecting with people and connecting families. Yeah. Yeah. And those are, the, those are the things that if you can keep coming back to those values in your marketing mm -hmm. and 
in your messaging and your social media. Once those values are a part of you, I found that all of my communication to me feels consistent and it feels authentic. Okay. So can you give me an example of an example of how you make that consistency or what the messaging would be? For example, a post or something. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, it's a good example would be I did a photo shoot. I invested I invested quite a large amount of money to do a professional photo shoot recently. And it was useful because my values were around family, education, joy, children. And so one of the things when you're preparing for a photo shoot is that you don't just want a whole bunch of product shots and people standing around looking at your product because that's not, I think these days people want to see a lifestyle. They want to see something broader. They want to see a bigger connection. Mm. And so um, I was able to then translate that into the sorts of pictures that I wanted, which didn't, in fact, the majority of my pictures didn't have my products in them. Oh. They had pictures of my daughter and her friends. Oh, wow. They were playing with a whole bunch of other things as well. So, yes, they're playing with some of the stuff from the kids. Mm-hmm. But, in fact, they were, we did it at a playground. Oh. We did it with them exploring, being interested in their outdoors, their world around them. Um, using things like spinning tops mm-hmm. and creating things like paper aeroplanes. Okay. Because my values aren't just around selling. They're around engaging kids in science, in their everyday activities, and also around saying to parents, look, buy my kit if it's easy for you because that's why I created it. Yeah. But also there are very cheap and easy ways that you can engage in science with your kids that yeah. don't involve buying my kit. Oh, that is so... Honest, raw and real. That is beautiful. So that's a beautiful example of how you're using your messaging and how you've crafted that. I know that your, your daughter, Lily, instigated all of this. How much is she involved in this business? She's so involved in this business. And she's only seven, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, she's only seven. Oh, beautiful. So I'll give you an example of how, how much this business, she's involved in it, how much it's in her psyche. The other day we picked up my son from childcare and it was school holidays. And she grabbed him and she sat him down on a set of steps and she said, said to him, look bored. And so she, she sat there and she, she looked bored as well. And then she said, mum, take a photo of this. And then you have to put it up on Facebook and say, bored kids need curious kids science kids. Oh. <laughs> Little marketer. Yep. She's the marketing manager. Wow, that's insane. So does she help you? Um, obviously, say which uh, experiments are a hit or a miss, and so she's involved with the whole. I mean, I, that's what I think I love the most about this is the fact that you involve Lily in it, which makes it even more holistic to your values. Hmm. And she she packs kits with us, so she knows what goes in each kit when we're packing kits. And the other day, she said to me. You know, I don't think we should just pack them as we get orders. I think what we need is a couple of packing days where we just pack a big lot and we can put them aside and then there's no rush when people order stuff. Wow. She's into the logistics side now as well. Wow. I just love the way her brain's ticking. That's really smart. So you were obviously the thumbs up to involve your kids in the business for other other parents listening right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, and for me, one of those, one of the reasons is because the job landscape is changing in Australia. Mm. The jobs that are traditionally out there now, majority of them will not exist in the form that they exist when our kids get to the workforce. Mm. And I really think having entrepreneurial problem solving skills mm. will stand them in good stead. And so instead of just doing the business stuff when they're asleep and out of the way, but by showing them what you're doing, why you're doing it, involving them in some way in that mindset, I think will stand them in good stead for employment later. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. For someone that's listening right now, Rachel, to who thinks they've got an idea for a side gig, but they're also working at the same time, how much do you think someone needs to prepare themselves for to outlay? Like, for example, can you give us a ballpark for how much you were to put the sign kits together, to invest in your own education for an online course. What's the ballpark that someone has to be prepared for? This is kind of what you're going to need to spend. Yeah, okay. Look, I guess I'll just be straight up. It cost me about 20000 to set up. Okay, beautiful. Um, so, but I guess it depends very much on, I know that there are people who've started much smaller mm-hmm. um, and there are other ways of doing that. There are partnerships. Looking back, I could have done it differently. I'm actually glad I didn't for the reasons I said. You know, once you've made that investment, you don't just go uh, bugger it. Yeah. It's too hard. You, you keep going. Yeah. Um, but I think that there are smart ways of doing it for about half that if you've got a product-based business. Okay. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what is your ultimate mission with all of this? What, what's the end goal? I know it may change. But right now, as of this day, what's the ultimate for you? Oh, okay. So here's a naughty secret. I don't have a full business plan. <laughs> um, because I, my, the original goal was just to, you know, sell lots of kits and have a business that was selling lots of kits. Mm. But that's really changed now. For me, And so the ultimate goal for me now is, I suppose, it's much bigger and it involves several things. It involves getting potentially a subscription club together where people can receive a monthly kit of things to do with their family yeah. as a group yeah. uh, in STEM-related areas. It also involves growing to the point where we can support members of the community by having people, I got contacted um, by a, an employment agency that was looking for, to try and get employment for people who are older workers who needed work. Oh. Um, and at the time I couldn't provide it, but my kids are very light. They weigh less than two kilos and to pack them isn't difficult. Right. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, there's an opportunity here if I get big enough to in fact support people who've been marginalised in the workforce. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, And so there's a much bigger, I think, there's a much bigger social play that we could do here if we can get to scale. And do you want to get to scale? Like, is that on the, in the vision for you? Yeah, absolutely. I would like to get to scale. I'd like to get to the point where I could essentially have somebody else manage the business. and really have that focus on involving people who are marginalised from the workforce, older people, younger people who need skills training, all of that sort of thing. 
Um, I would like to have a range of kits. I would like to have the opportunity to do the subscription kits. Um, I would like to... I would love to get to the point where I had a bit more time and I could maybe do my job, uh, say, three days a week and do this two days a week where I'm able to write... Um, my son will start school in two years, so where during school hours I'm able to do the blogs and do the research because that's the stuff I love. I just... I love that stuff. That makes me so excited and so happy and that helps me connect with families and I love getting feedback from people who've gone away and done the things that we've, I've suggested doing. And it's, so, yeah. It's, it's like you're incorporating the, what you love about law, the writing and the research into this business. Yeah. It's like that's what you're doing. That's what the gifts you're bringing into it. For someone listening, uh, Rachel, who still has a job and wants to do a side gig, what's the biggest... Uh, I guess insight advice we would give them. Don't do it for money. Oh, I love that. I love that. If money is your driving force, it will not be a powerful enough motivator to get you through the really hard stuff because there isn't money for the first couple of years. Mm. There's got to be love. Oh, well, thank you so much for that, Rachel. That was just powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so very much for joining us because what you shared, the insights, the journey, I know is a stepping stone for someone else to step on your shoulders and to start from what advice you've given and execute from that level. So thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, guys. And we'll catch you next time.